Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. Pick any area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single, double, triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. Just log into your BetMGM Sports account to get started. Then visit your promotion section to access the Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. You'll score a prize if you hit a single, double, triple, or home run. There's nothing more exciting than going yard. So swing for the fences with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on the market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Friday, April 23rd, 2021. On today's episode, we're going to have a spoiler-filled discussion about the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Episode 6, One World, One People. This is Slash Film Editor-in-Chief Peter Serretta. Joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film Weekend Editor Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. So, you know, we, we, don't, we usually start off things with a feedback segment. Actually, no, I do have one bit of feedback. We didn't, we didn't get many emails or any relevant emails, but uh, my friend John Armstrong, who is a big Marvel fanatic, he did text me last week after the episode came out, and he said, I'm convinced that Zemo wanted Bucky to kill him. He tried to kill himself at the end of Civil War and was stopped by Black Panther, and he wanted Bucky to kill him. Watch him. He is waiting for it and looks disappointed when Bucky drops the bullets. I think that would also explain why he would give him the clue that he was going to be at this memorial, right? Well, yeah, because he he was trying to show that Bucky still had that villainous streak in him, that, that he was still, you know, more of a cold-blooded killer and that he hadn't yeah. fully recovered from being the Winter Soldier. Yeah. Anyways, I, that's something we didn't really mention last week, so I wanted to bring that up. But let's go into our, our brief thoughts on this is not only episode six, but this is the season finale is it the series finale? I think it's the season finale. We're going to say for now, the season finale 
of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Although, if they change the title, Brad, if they change the title, it does it now become the series finale, and then it's a new series with a new title. Um, <laughs> that's a. I mean, that's a, a fair question. I mean, I'm trying to think if there are any other shows that have like changed titles in that way. The only one that I can think of, and it's only partially, is American Horror Story. Yeah, but that's even an anthology. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. I'm wondering if they could... We'll talk about this later. We'll, we'll get to this later. Okay. Uh, brief thoughts on this episode. I'll start first. Um, first of all, I said the title is One World, One People. And the episode's 51 minutes long, which is kind of in the middle of how long these episodes have been this for this series. Uh, I... You, you guys know that have been listening to the podcast. I was a huge fan of WandaVision up until that season finale, and I really was not happy with the, the, the series finale of WandaVision. It, it just kind of devolved into the usual Marvel-ness of things, people fighting in the sky, and I don't feel like Wanda's arc at the end of it was really complete. She didn't apologize to people. I don't know. I, I was really left disappointed, so I was kind of expecting the same thing with this, to be honest with you, because Marvel has never really been that great at sticking the landing on their, their movies. I, I think it's fair to say, um, you know, it, they always run into like the third act problems of things just becoming, you know, too formulaic for me. Uh, as much as I like the Marvel films, I, this one criticism, I think that definitely holds up, but I really like this episode. I, I will admit the first half of this episode is more kind of what I was expecting, but the second half of this episode has some amazing, well, amazing, amazing emotional character moments, and I, I don't know. It, it just felt satisfying in most of the areas where I felt WandaVision wasn't. I felt there was some real growth with these characters, and uh, you know, the the show made me cry. Not that that's like the the high bar that you need to achieve. Every Pixar film does it, so it's like must be you know some kind of formula to make it happen, make Peter cry, but. um i didn't expect that from you know the series or marvel tv show and i will say as as much as i don't think the the first half of this episode was like as strong as the second half that the action moments in there they, they had like each one of the action fight sequences were not very exciting but each one of them had like one cool memorable concept that i keep on thinking about and uh, I don't know, it, it's more than that could be said in some of the other action in the series. So anyway, I want to point, point that out. Uh, Brad, what are your brief thoughts on episode six? Um, I thought it was fine. Um, I, I was definitely disappointed in the first half just because it felt very formulaic and just generic and uh, not the most thrilling action. And I also felt that it kind of, uh, it didn't give falcon i think the proper debut as captain america that it deserved there's a there's a couple cool shots but i felt like it should have been a much more i don't know grand heroic entrance and it's it's not that the the entrance you know wasn't heroic because obviously he flies in he looks cool but i think i was just expecting it to be a little bit bigger of a moment um and so let's yeah so the first half plays out in a very formulaic way what i appreciate the most is that are the same things that i've been appreciating this entire series and it's the more grounded character stuff and um i 
I, I think the second half is great because of what it does with Falcon as a character and with a superhero um, and the, the position that it puts him in as not just a body that throws people around and stops villains and these, but as a voice for the people as being, you know, so much more than a superhero being like a real hero. Um, I don't think it's necessarily done um, perfectly. Um, I think it, it's, it can't, it's a little heavy handed, it, but it, it, it works. Yeah. It's, it's definitely heavy handed. and it's, it's not subtle by any means, but I feel like w- with a show like this, sometimes you, you have to make sure that you get the full message across for, for general audiences. Um, but I, I do think that there is, um, there's a lot of great things that are, that are said uh, in the second half of this episode. And um, especially the very end of the episode, it definitely um, pulls it, pulls up the heartstrings for sure. So not the best finale, um, but, but decent. And uh, there are, I, once we get to the certain parts in the episode, I will discuss other things that I was uh, disappointed in and, and kind of fresh, okay. frustrated by, but yeah, we'll get to that later. Okay, let's start with our breakdown of this episode. Bucky shows up at the GRC building, which has been infiltrated by the Flag Smashers at the end of that last week's episode. And there's this weird moment where this woman shows up and pulls off this facial prosthetic, revealing that it is Sharon in a disguise. And it's actually using the same technology that Black Widow used in Winter Soldier when she had a disguise. Um, so she, she is there, Sharon is there risking her freedom, being there to help out. Now here's where I have the question, Brad, if Sharon had this disguise and she's risking her freedom, she's like a wanted person in the United States. Why wouldn't she just keep the disguise on the entire time? I mean, it'd probably be pretty annoying to wear a mask all the time. Um, I think we have a lot of experience with that over the past year (laughs) and it kind of sucks. Um, so I think that, yeah, it's probably not. Why not wear the mask when, like, there's a chance that, you know, there's going to be agents around and government I don't know, officials? It just seems like, you know, getting over the border is probably not the hardest thing to do with, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Am I being too critical? No, here? I mean, it's it's a it's a good question to ask. Because, but I, I think that, like, when it comes to, I, I don't know, I guess long-term life in the United States when you're a wanted, you know, criminal or like you've been forced to go rogue then it's probably not uh as easy to do the things that she wants to do and plus i imagine it's probably more preferable considering uh you know what we find out about sharon carter in this episode so oh yeah and i guess she's also trying to redeem herself so they need to know in the end that she was part of this and helping out uh, and that she showed her face I, right I, well I no because in the end like they I mean, not to skip to the end. This is a spoiler podcast, but at the end of this episode, they pardon her for helping they, in this whole thing. I mean, they she, that's at least what they want. She wants it to appear as if she is seeking redemption, but it, uh, anything yeah. but, it seems. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I'm just saying maybe that's the reason to have your face out there is to get in that position. Probably. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we've spent too much time on that. Falcon shows up. And he has this big hero moment, which apparently is not big enough for Brad. He's holding the shield. He's wearing his new Captain America costume. And uh, why did you why did you think this moment wasn't good enough? I don't know. I just it's it's dark. It um I, I don't know. There was just something about the way it was shot and the way it happens. If I feel like it's just I want it. I want something more grand. I guess I, I don't know how to say it any, any other way than that. Like um, maybe part of it is just that the the 
music throughout this entire series has been really bland and i felt yeah. like that moment deserved something like uh an inc- like like a great new theme for you know sam as captain america you know you don't, don't you don't have to use the old captain america theme do something new or at least like mix it up a little bit and i think that maybe, maybe that's the biggest thing that was missing but just the moment it didn't fall flat for me but i just felt like he deserved something better okay let's talk about the costume because he has this new costume it has a greater fo- focus on the white as john walker's suit was like almost void of any white and it looks very much like it does in the comics. What, what did you think about the costume? Yeah, I love the costume. Love love the suit. Uh, the new wings look great. Uh, I like the incorporation of, of of more white in the suit as well. Uh, I like the you know the slight change to the Captain America logo on the chest that makes it look like you know it's the stripes are also wings like Falcon. Um, so yeah, he he looks awesome. Yeah, and it, it's also worth noting, I think, that Captain America is now a black man wearing a suit. Made in an African nation, which I think is a interesting side. Okay, anyways, so someone asks uh, who he is, and he says, "I'm Captain America." It, it was that like, was that a moment that felt like like yes, this is the moment we've been waiting for, or was it too cheesy? No, that, well, actually, I think that's part of it. Is that like it? It felt like so much of an aside, and like in one way, I guess I respect it because it's it's um it's not made up to be like like a big deal that he's saying it it's just like yeah that's right i'm captain america now deal with it essentially but it all but again it also i also felt like it lacked like i wanted like that to be like a a moment you know and it just felt like it was like yeah i'm captain america let's move on so whether it was intentional or not you know if if that's what they were going for that's that's fine but yeah like i just again i just wanted more but it could also be like he's not john walker he's not gonna bask in the glory of being this you know symbol and hero for fame you know he's like we we have work to do no that's i mean it's it, that's fair <laughs> i will say that when he does show up here i i don't think it's as bad of a heroic moment as you're saying but i do think the point of some of this episode is that we end up seeing Sam become Captain America, not just through this. He doesn't just show up with the suit and now he's Captain America. There's moments throughout this episode that to me, make him earn that title. If that makes sense. Sure. We'll, we'll get to those. Okay, so uh, Batrock shows up and Falcon makes some unfunny French jokes and uh, the Flag Smashers plan for some reason involves getting the politicians in the GRC to be evacuated so they can keep them hostage someplace else. It seems like a, I don't know, a ridiculous plan, but whatever. Villains in a superhero thing, we'll just move on. Uh, They get escorted out of the building into an armored police vehicles, which are secured with these spider-like devices, which aren't really explained, but I guess it's just to keep them captive. Uh, Bucky receives a phone call from Carly, and he attempts to bargain with her, but it turns out it was all a distraction to keep him busy while they made away with the senator's and uh, just then, Sharon bumps into one of the Flag Smashers who was posing as a police officer, placing some kind of device on them and uh, taking them out with poison gas. Now, explain to me, Brad, because, you know, later in this episode, it will be explained that Sharon Carter is the power broker. I was right. Uh, she is the, the power broker. Uh, all during the series, we, we have learned that 
the power broker is after the serum. The serum's gone, so the power broker wants super soldiers. So why in this moment would Sharon Carter, the power broker, kill one of the last remaining super soldiers? That is a fair question. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm not necessarily sure, though, that she wants super soldiers as much as maybe she wants the serum itself. The serum, yeah. yeah. for her yeah, own that's... shady dealings and, and whatnot, so... That's fair enough. Fair enough. Okay, so Falcon goes toe-to-toe with some of the nameless Flag Smasher goons and makes another bad French joke before diving out the window he came in. And this is why I want to talk about the action. The the action, I agree with you, is not, like, anything spectacular. But every action moment has, like, like, one cool concept that I took away with. And I like, in this moment, how he throws his shield to smash open the window dives through the window and then catches the shield in the air while he's flying yes i did i did also like that moment very much yeah uh he pursues a helicopter which is doing everything it can to evade him and there's some cool shots here of him like skipping along the water and he sends his red wing up to see if anyone inside has flight training uh, which come back later the original plan was to use the hostages as leverage but now carly suggests they kill the hostages she says but she starts saying a bunch of scary things like uh, the movement will continue even after she and uh, her her goons die and her right hand men at that moment seem to finally not be on board with this plan, but uh, they're still going along with it. Uh, Falcon is able to save the pilots from another helicopter in this big heroic moment on the bridge uh, in front of many people. So, you know, he's he's now making some appearances with this heroic moments. Uh, Carly and her crew take possession of the hostages just as Bucky arrives on a motorcycle. Um, and this is another of one of those cool moments where he's on his motorcycle and he goes full speed into this barrier. And it's just so that he can like get propelled through the air into the flag smashers. <laughs> so, I don't know. I, I think there's some fun action moments here. Uh, John Walker shows up. And Carly says that she didn't mean to kill his friend as she didn't want to kill people who didn't matter to her fight. And uh, Walker is very not happy about that statement. <laughs> Comes at her with the vibranium shield or the non-vibranium shield that he has. Like, it's like falling apart. <laughs> and uh, I don't know what he hoped to do with that shield, but <laughs> whatever. Um, so Falcon... Uh, calls one of the hostages in the helicopter who knows how to fly and talks her into having taken control as Sam creates a diversion. Now, this is one of the moments that I was kind of ta- alluding to earlier, Brad. So Captain America is not just this, like, you know, badass guy that can take out the bad guys. He's he's a symbol. He He is supposed to inspire other people. And I love that there's this moment here where he... He's not just doing it himself. He's inspiring a normal person to step up and become the hero of the situation. Uh, what, what do you think of this whole s- sequence? Yeah, no, it's, it is a, it adds an extra layer to it and it makes it so that, you know, Captain America is able to use his, he, it shows that he can use his resources and it's not just him being a tough guy, being a superhero. Um, you know, he knows how to, to delegate and, you know, he's, you know, he's a superhero for the people and he has no problem like trusting them to do, you know, the right, the right thing, especially when they're people who obviously have the skills needed in a situation like this. Yeah. And may- maybe they're also countering 
John Walker, who's kind of like a brute, and this is showing that he has the smarts to to get around the situation. Uh, meanwhile, speaking of Walker, he is taking out his vengeance against some of the Flag Smashers, and he has a hand-to-hand fight with Carly under and around like this New York City scaffolding. And I don't know. I mean, the, the idea is kind of cool. The action, not 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 so much. Uh, the Flag Smashers attempt to drive one of the hostage-filled trucks off into a construction site it doesn't quite work and the truck is teetering on the edge and this is john walker's big moment because he kind of is put in the situation where he has to choose between uh you know this fight with this the people who killed his buddy battlestar and saving these people and is this the redemption moment for walker I mean, it's definitely meant to be, um, but I feel like it is so, like, quickly done, and there's it, it just doesn't resonate, and it didn't work well for me at all, because in one moment, he's out of his mind, he's, you know, he, he's clearly not stable, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, it's the the John Walker who wanted to be <laughs> a hero comes comes back, and it's like, no, he's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something good, and it's like, I, I don't know about... Like, you can't trust this guy. And maybe that's something that will continue to carry over uh, into the second season. And we'll talk more about that once we get to later in this episode. But, like, this, this scene just didn't work for me. It's it's supposed to be his redemption. But I I don't know. It just I, I don't like it very much. Yeah, I don't think it was shot very well. It wasn't executed. Like, I, I like the idea of it in concept. I feel like it could have been pulled off. But it just doesn't work well in the moment. And there is also the weird moment of a couple of scenes later... You have Sam and Bucky and him like running around helping each other. Yeah, and now like, all of a sudden, wait, wait, like, you guys are all cool now. All of a sudden, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so uh, <laughs> so he he tries to help out, but the flag smashers attack him, and the truck begins to fall again before stopping. Turns out Falcon has caught it and is using his jetpack boosters to be able to save the senators in in the in the truck. Someone yells, that's Black Falcon, to which another onlooker responds, no, that's Captain America. Maybe a little too on the nose, but I don't know. I'm enjoying it. Yeah, it was it was a cheesy moment, but I but I did like it. Yeah. Uh, Falcon comes head to head with Carly uh, before smoke bombs are sent into the construction site, allowing the Flag Smashers to mount an escape. And Falcon is able to... Should I be calling him Falcon at this point? I'm going to continue to call him Falcon no, for now. He's Captain Falcon. America. Okay, Captain. Okay, Captain America is able to follow their heat signatures. Uh, Walker and Bucky are with him. That's the moment we were just talking about. And uh, yeah, they're they're all of a sudden willing to work with Walker. I don't know. I guess you know, the enemy of your enemy is your friend or whatever. I guess uh, they split up as the track split. And there, there's this cool scene in there where they have like this blue and orange lighting which looks cool. Uh, Sharon shows up and she goes into full on villain monologue where she reveals her secret plan. She took Carly in Carly betrayed her. Um, so this is the scene where it is finally confirmed that Sharon Carter is the power broker. It was, as they say, Sharon Carter all along, Brad. Oh, yes. and, <laughs> uh, what do you think? Um, this was the, another thing that I was disappointed in, um, because it feels like a betrayal of Sharon Carter as a character. And like, I know something really shitty happened to her in how she was treated by the American government after she went rogue with Cap and Falcon, uh, in civil war and, and beyond, um, or even starting back with winter soldier. And so she, she got 
you know, a pretty raw deal in that regard. I, but it seems really against character at, for the, you know, um, what is she, she, is she the, the great, great niece of, of Peggy Carter or something like that, or just, yeah. just niece to, to make this turn. And maybe that's the point, you know, maybe it's meant to be that dramatic that a character like this would, um, you know, turn on America, turn on the Avengers, that kind of thing. Um, I do have some thoughts about that, but I will save them until we get to the credit scene. Yeah, I do want to reiterate what I said, I think, last week or the week before, that I'm still confused because Zemo said in second or third episode that he knew that the power broker, or he knew about the power broker, or he knew the, sorry, that he knew the power broker before he went to jail. And that was at the point where Sharon Carter was Agent 13 and was working with the government and wasn't exiled. So... I don't, I'm hesitant to say that, like, even the explanation that she was exiled and that made her into the power broker is even the true story. Because if the power broker existed before that happened, then was she a double agent back then? Um, I don't know. My my potential explanation for this, I'll talk about later. <laughs> okay. I will say that a lot of people with, like you know, big blockbuster superhero stuff like to write off like things like this as plot holes. I think Marvel knows what they're doing here. Like, I I think that they have a timeline and they have it all figured out. And just because it's not presented in this episode doesn't mean that there isn't an explanation for all that. So um, also I should mention that Baron Zemo also called the power broker. He using a a male uh, surname and, uh, it's it's possible that I, you know what it doesn't seem like anybody actually knew the power broker it looks like the power broker was kind of like working with this mysterious figure that was communicating through texts and you know phone conversations that might be you know voice changed and stuff so it's p- possible that you know zemo didn't know that well it, it, it i think it's very probable that zemo didn't know that it was sharon carter but i think it's possible that Zemo didn't even know that the power broker was a female. Yeah, probably. You think? Probably. Yeah. Or, but there's, I like, like I said, I'll, I'll talk about it later. Okay, my last, my last nitpick here, Brad, and I'm the person that predicted Sharon Carter as the power broker. So, so I'm not, or I've, I've been on that train for a couple weeks now. So, like, I'm not complaining about her being the power broker, but there's some things that don't, just don't add up to me. There's also last week, uh, Sharon Carter sent Batrock to go on this mission with the Flag Smashers and give them all the weapons that was used to pull off this attack. If she is the power broker, which she is the power broker, why didn't she just pay him to kill Carly? That was her, I guess her motivation was not to kill Carly. Her motivation is to kill Carly. And then also what happens at the end of this episode, right? Well, that plus she also tries to see if she can still keep Carly on her side and still use her as a resource, you know, and as her, as like, like Carly says, she doesn't have any muscle anymore. So if she can use Carly and the flag smashers, you know, as, you know, part of her, uh, her many, you know, resources and that helps her. So I don't think, yeah. I think that she wanted to give it her a chance to see if she would still be willing to, to work with her. Okay. So just in this moment, speak of Batrock, he shows up and it's revealed that he, 
was spying on Carly and he didn't seem to know that Sharon was the power broker. And now he, that he knows this, he's threatening to tell the world if she doesn't pay him four times the amount that he that she promised guns fire. Sharon and Batrock hit the ground. Falcon shows up to t- try to take Carly out, but he doesn't want to fight her. He plays defense. And this is another one of those cool moment action moments where he's digging his wings into the ground because she's using her her super you know power or not superpowers but super strength and he's using digging the the vibranium wings into the ground to prevent her from knocking him back which is kind of cool yeah um walker and bucky use the flag smashers app to find them and hand them over to the police which i think is actually kind of great because in a previous podcast i made fun of the idea of this you know (laughs) you know quote-unquote terrorist organization or whatever you want to call them uh this uh using an app and how the police could like basically just use the app against them yeah so i'm I'm, it's kind of funny uh that they did that um so okay without super strength it's hard for falcon to go toe-to-toe with carly and carly aims a gun at falcon is about to take a shot and sharon takes her out from afar uh and that's convenient because you know, this is one of the only people that knows that Sharon is the power broker. So take her out, you know, s- save Falcon. I mean, uh, Captain America, Sam, whatever you want to call him. Uh, <laughs> uh, Carly says she's sorry before dying. Do you think this is enough redemption for this character? And this is another thing that I, I, I struggled with because similarly to John Walker, I wasn't this felt like a last minute, very hastily done piece of redemption for her. And like what made this character work in the beginning so well was that you kind of, you weren't on necessarily fighting against her. You know, she's standing for something that is good. Like she's trying to help people who, who need help, but she just starts to take it too far. And she starts to threaten people and kill people that don't need to be killed for this cause, no matter how important she thinks it is. And so she becomes dangerous and she becomes, a problem and in this the moment just before this it seems like it, it looks to me you can tell me if you agree that she was totally willing to kill sam and kill captain america oh yeah and the, all of a sudden just when she for when she gets shot for her to be taken out all of a sudden she's like i'm sorry and it's like really where are you though because you just tried to kill captain america again and even though she's doing this because of what like what she's fighting for is important for sure but it's those kinds of things that make her wrong. And I, I don't know. It just felt like a very half-assed way of dealing with that character and, and ending that arc. Um, I, I don't know. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. I think this one like stinks more than the John Walker moment, The John Walker moment. I can at least envision how that could have worked. This just feels like there's no way to make that work in that one moment after she was just trying to kill it reminded it reminded me of this is gonna be such an obscure reference and I guarantee you like almost no one is gonna understand it but there's this do you remember the movie the last mimsy no so <laughs> in the in the movie I don't even remember what the plot of it is but it involves some like magical little like stuffed like alien thing but Michael Clark Duncan plays this like FBI or CIA agent and this is the only thing that I remember because I remember when I saw it with people we all just burst out laughing because he has a line at the very end of the movie at, after the climax and everything he goes i don't know what just happened but i'm sorry <laughs> it's like what 
<laughs> That's immediately what I thought of. It just felt like, a, oh, okay, you're sorry. We'll move on from this, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I do feel like Carly got the shaft in this this season of TV. It does feel like there... I, we do know, I've mentioned this in the past, that there was this whole pandemic storyline that was kind of cut from this season. We don't know how heavily that was supposed to play, but as you remember, there was a point where they were... that the Flag Smashers had taken control of some... What was it? Some vaccines, I guess? Yeah. It was. And, you know, obviously her, like, mentor died. I, I feel like there was some, some more stuff going on there. And I feel like reshoots or some editing probably hurt this. But I, I still don't th- think that they could have made this redemptive moment work at this, like, I don't know. I, it just doesn't feel like there's any way. But, okay. Uh, <laughs> let's move on. Uh, so... Falcon flies down with Carly's body and presents her to the paramedics. The The media want answers, but Sam has no interest in being in the spotlight, which at first I thought was a good way to show that he wasn't like John Walker, not wanting to soak in the fame of being a hero. But it turns out there's, you know, they're, they're, the media is there to capture the next moment that happens. Uh, Sam tells the senator that they need to stop calling them uh, the flag, flag smashers terrorists. It's very... Di- uh, it's. The thing about this whole scenario, like, is on the nose as some of the stuff in this series is written. It's very hard for me to recap the speech that Sam gives here because it's so well uh, just put together. But the gist of it is that it's a very difficult situation. And he says that they now have one common struggle to unite under. You know, hence the the title of this episode. It's this great speech. What what did you think of speech? It is. Um, and I, as on the nose as it is, and how much it lacks subtlety and things like that, I I, I love what he says, and I like that Marvel actually chose to go there in this capacity. Um, it feels a little clumsy because it's a lot of exposition, and it's it's at times feels like um a lecture, but at the same time. I appreciate that it's a lecture coming from a character like this, coming from a superhero who is using his position and his voice to do something good and to take a stand and to try and actually influence good things to to happen and to call attention to this and not make it so cut and dry as far as good and evil and point out things that can be done and like that they what what people need to do with their power. It's, it's nice to see a moment like this coming from a character that is meant to be a blockbuster superhero. You know, um, I don't even really think that we've seen anything like this in the Marvel movies, um, even from Captain America himself. Not, that's not to say that there haven't been serious conversations or dramatic moments, but this kind of moment in particular feels very much a, a product of the time. And I think one of the things that th- this actually made me more frustrated and how they ended uh, Carly's character arc, because there are clear parallels that can be drawn between like what the Flag Smashers are trying to do um, between like protests for Black Lives Matter and that kind of thing. And I feel like that it creates this bad parallel where it seems like the the extreme she was going to can be you know viewed as the same. And especially you know when you have in this speech Falcon um, 
bringing in like saying use words like terrorists and thug you know to create this you know image of people and that's exactly what has been done with black lives matter as people whenever there are protests whenever there's property damage things like that these words get thrown around to label them as domestic terrorists and thugs and things like that and i think that it it's a disservice to those parallels to treat carly in that way um, and then to have the scene immediately follow it, it doesn't, it's, it doesn't really lessen the strength of this scene for me, but I think that it just, it creates a little bit of a disconnect. I, I don't know. I'll, I'll say Sam's speech was very inspiring. Uh, not that he wasn't Captain America before this, but for me in this episode, this was the moment where I was like, okay, he's Captain America. Yeah. Like I, I'm totally on board here. Uh, not, not, not that I was arguing against it, but it's just like it was like yes, this is the heroic moment that I guess maybe Brad wanted earlier or something, but in a different way, you know, an action pose. It was you know, a speech. Um, and uh, I don't. It, it, it's also worth noting that Carly and the Flag Smashers are that um. I'm trying to think of how to say this, that that uh, Sam is able to make her message matter, even in her death. And uh, I don't know. I thought that was kind of cool. Um, but OK, so Bucky calls Sam Cap for the first time, which I think is a good moment. And uh, Sharon has a flesh wound and doesn't want to go to the hospital. She apologizes about how things ended. Zemo's butler takes out the remaining flag smashers in a car bombing. And we see Zemo hear the news in his cell at the raft. And then we get the scene with Julia Louis-Dreyfus. She's back as Val. Uh, this time, you know, not in credit scene. She's, uh, she's there to meet with Walker, who comes out wearing a black variation of, her, of the cap costume and has, like, stripes on the chest. And uh, she explained, well, okay, well, what do you think of the costume, Brad? Um, I mean, it's not remarkably dissimilar from what he was wearing as Captain America, yeah. but it's uh, it's definitely much more aligned with the uh, the U.S. agent suit from the comics, which is exactly why uh, you know Contessa Valentina gives him that moniker finally. Yeah, hundred uh, percent agreed. So she explains things are about to get insane or crazy. I forget which word she used. One of those words, and when they do. They aren't going to need a Captain America. They're going to need a U.S. agent. Walker and his wife are extremely happy about this new position. Uh, I'm, I'm still not quite sure who he's working for, what side he's working for. You know, who who, who does Val align with? But what, what do you think this is a setup for? I think that's kind of the idea. I think that U.S. agent is going to operate almost like a a Blackwater Captain America, like a uh, someone who works more in the gray area and isn't controlled by the government and probably ha- um, is willing to maybe do a little bit more of the things that someone like Cap or uh, any of the other Avengers might not be willing to do. And I, yeah. I feel like that will eventually probably lean towards a potentially villainous agenda because I wouldn't, I'm, I'm getting the vibe that Contessa Valentina is being set up as kind of the, anti nick fury um yes and she definitely has that nick fury role yeah so i so i think that that's probably something that will be uh will be building up in uh i don't know if it'll be part of any of the other marvel shows but definitely the second season of uh or, or the first season of captain america and the winter soldier <laughs> yeah by the way how great is she in this show i know she's only had two scenes two small scenes 
but she like she just shines in every 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 moment that she's in. Yeah, she's she's just awesome. Just the way she has this confidence about her, and just the way she talks in a a dismissive kind of kind of manner. You know, uh, it's something where she's she's not taking things too seriously. Yeah, and it really seems like they're building her up to be a bigger part of, if not this the future of the series, but maybe the future of the MCU. I don't know. Yeah. Um, Okay, so Bucky shows up at uh, Mr. Nakajima's apartment and finally makes good, telling him that he was responsible for the death of his son. It's a really heartfelt scene, but I feel like we knew it was coming, so it kind of played like that, if that makes sense. Uh, There's a gift left for his former therapist that includes the notebook with all the names crossed off and a note of thanks. So, Brad, you were wrong again. We're not going to get the the season of, of... Winter Soldier going around and making good for all the <laughs> he's apparently done it all in in one you know one uh five minute period in the end of this uh season finale yep all done yeah uh Sam shows up at Isaiah, Isaiah Bradley's house oh I forgot to mention this before so there was a moment where he was giving that speech and he was talking about uh what it means to be a, a black Captain America and they show Isaiah Bradley watching it on tv with the sun and it, it was a good moment but i was kind of i was kind of ready to complain about that moment on this podcast because i thought that was going to be the end of isaiah bradley's story and i was like is that really how they're going to end it with just like him seeing the speech on tv and i'm glad i was completely wrong there because he shows up at the house his son calls him black falcon uh, they have this really nice moment of closure between the two and Sam brings Bradley and his son to the Smithsonian exhibit on Captain America to reveal a new section dedicated to Isaiah Bradley and his part of history. And this is a really emotional moment. This is where I cried. It actually made me cry uh, to see, you know, it's impactful to see this man who has been dehumanized, enslaved, mistreated, and finally get credit for his service to this country. What did what did you think of this whole ending moment for Isaiah? Yeah, I love this. This uh, this was a big part of just why how much I appreciated the second half of this episode more than the first half because it, it followed through on these uh, the threads that were laid earlier and you know the importance of I, Isaiah Bradley's place in American history and how you know the the symbol of Captain America and what he represents needs to evolve and it needs to you know respect that there were some atrocities committed back then and this is you know, Sam taking a step to help resolve that and to, you know, I guess kind of wipe, wipe the slate clean in a, in a certain way and make, make Captain America the symbol that, you know, he deserves to be for, for everybody, you know, not just for a certain sect of people. Yeah. And at first I was thinking like, why wouldn't he be called to know that like he was going to have exhibit there, but for all intensive purposes, he's dead, right? Like the U S army and the government, everybody thinks Isaiah Bradley died in prison. Right. So, yeah, there's no reason for him to be made aware. Maybe maybe his kid should have been made aware that, like, we're dedicating this part of the Smithsonian exhibit. But whatever. What, what not? Let's move on. <laughs> we end with a neighborhood cookout uh, at the family boat. Uh, we finally get to see Bucky happy, which is good. And, you know, it, it occurs to me that in the in the previous episode, he said that the shield was the closest thing he had to family. And here we see Bucky with people that are, have you know, have now become his family. 
I don't know. It's it's kind of a sweet moment. Well, what did you think of Bucky's send off here? Yeah, this was, I mean, this was just a nice way to end the series overall. It, it gave me, um, uh, you know, kind of a, a Fast and Furious family kind of vibe. You know, the, yeah. the movies constantly end, you know, with these big cookouts, you know, back at the Toretto household. So it was, yeah, it, it felt like a nice, um, nice way to end. Yeah. By the way, I saw someone on Twitter say this. I don't, I think it came from Kevin Smith or something. I was doing my research this morning and someone tweeted about this and they were saying that it's something we didn't notice that, that the boat is actually a mirror for, for Sam and not wanting to ha- take on the shield. So it's this thing that his parents had that the boat was this thing that his parents had that they had, they're trying to get rid of it. And now finally at the end, accepting it. I don't know. Uh, okay, so the the end of this has out of focus as the music ramps up. It almost feels like an 80s movie. Uh, Captain America in the Winter Soldier title appears on screen. And by the way, I want to say I predicted this like when they announced the show <laughs> that they were going to do this even before the, the show started airing. So I, I, I'm going to pat myself on the back for that one. Um, okay, so there is there is an after credits scene here. Uh, the the senator offers Sharon Carter an apology, a full pardon, a chance at her job in her old division. What is her old division? Wasn't her old division at Shield? Uh, so she was at Shield, and then I think that she was either part of the FBI or the CIA. Oh yeah, you're right. Okay, so she's back, and as she leaves the Capitol, she tells one of her people, or she tells someone on the phone. To start lining up buyers as they'll soon have access to a ton of government secrets. And that is how the Falcon and the Winter Soldier ends season one. So I guess let's get into the speculation of this. Um, I, what do you, who, who do you, well, first of all, who do you think she's talking to there? Is it just like one of her goons or is there someone else she's working with? I mean, I, I don't necessarily know if it's a prominent character. It could just be her talking to whoever she works with as far as, like, setting things up and things like that. Um, and so my thought process here is that uh, we have a series coming up called Secret Invasion. And if what's happening with Sharon Carter feels a little bit out of sorts, uh, maybe at some point she has been re- re- replaced. And this is how Secret Invasion begins. That is an interesting theory. I was going to propose a different series for you, Brad. Oh, okay. I was going to propose Armor Wars. That this That's... could lead to Armor Wars because if she has the secrets, like all this like stuff, maybe War Machine and Iron, like all that kind of stuff, that maybe that could ramp up. And I don't know. I've never read. Is there a comic book Armor Wars? I, I have definitely not read that. Yeah, I'm I'm out of, I'm out of loop on that one too, actually. So I, I couldn't tell you one way or the other. Yeah. But that's that that is also a, a fair guess. Yeah. Uh, but I am curious who she's talking to on the other end of the, uh, the phone. I know in the comics, Power Broker is multiple people. So there's also the possibility that my my Zemo questions could be solved if, you know, Power Broker is not just Sharon Carter. It could be, you know, two or three people. Or a, a, a scroll who is a male. Or a scroll, yeah. Or is this the, the, the rise of Hydra again? I do feel... Like, if they are going to do another season of this, which it seems like they're going to under the name uh, Captain America and the Winter Soldier. Absolutely. That they've been borrowing so much from those Captain America movies. I feel like Hydra has to be involved in some way. 
I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility. Hydra has come back many different times throughout Marvel Comics history. I hope that they don't dig into that well again so soon. Um, I I don't know. I guess it's not. It wouldn't be super soon because I guess it's been five years since Hydra, you know, fell after they were revealed to be behind Shield. But I just I hope that we're not going back that to there so quickly. Yeah. Um, what do you think? Val is talking about when she says things are about to get crazier and insane. I forget what what exactly she said. Like, is she talking about the multiverse? Does she know that's coming? What, what is she talking about? Uh, I imagine it probably has something to do with whatever she has in store. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if she has plans to kind of start shaking things up with whatever her plan is and how she plans to use a U.S. agent at her disposal. Um, maybe she knows that... Um, and maybe she's working with uh, Sharon Carter. Maybe she knows that that's about to make things a lot more complicated when, you know, government secrets and weapons oh. and stuff like what that. If she was on the other end of that phone call. Yeah, that's also a possibility. Yeah, that could be interesting. She does seem like she's in the government in some way, right? Uh, I, don't know. I don't know. but yeah, I, I, I wouldn't necessarily say that. I think she's just one of those, you know, kind of... Uh, cd operatives who seems like they could yeah. easily you know be in the government but they're just you know and an, i guess like uh I, I don't know what what would you call it like an executive in espionage <laughs> yeah do, do you think there's going to be a second season yeah absolutely i mean the way the way that they set it up like there's they're clearly leading it leading into something i can't imagine there wouldn't be a second season i suppose there's always a chance that this is set up for future marvel shows like we've been talking about but i feel like that they were they're anticipating doing a second season of this yeah. By the way, I'm not sure if the showrunners have done interviews for this. They usually do some spoiler interviews, like maybe the week after. I was looking at Entertainment Weekly because they had an article go up about this this morning, and it just had one sentence from Spellman. So it seems like they did an interview with him, but they're not publishing it yet. And the sentence is, it's about the Sharon Carter scene at the end, the end credit scene. Uh, the, the quote from Spellman is the audience will know exactly what doors just got opened to an expanded universe. What do you think that means, Brett? Hmm. Because I feel like we're the audience. I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I mean, maybe that's a Marvel comics thing that like, I mean, maybe we've, we have already broached it and talked about it, you know, but and, and yeah. unknowingly. Um, but yeah, I don't know anything else specific beyond the, you know, the speculation that we've just talked about. Yeah. Uh, do you think Zemo will play into the season two? It seems like he probably has to. Um, you know, we've we've talked about how keeping a character like that alive only means, you know, that he's probably going to be back in some capacity. Um, as for exactly what that means and how it'll be involved, you know, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I, I think we've touched on. I agree with you on that, by the way. Uh I think we've touched on everything. Do you have any other speculation on where any of this could be leading? And by the way, uh, Armor Wars, I do want to mention, does have Don Cheadle in it, right? And yeah. he was in the first episode of, of this series. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it could connect to that. It could. I do wonder if there is, um, you know, a second season of this, if, if it's, you know, Captain America and the Winter Soldier. I wonder how long they will wait before it gets off the ground, because... Marvel already has a pretty good slate of shows coming up over the next couple of years. Uh, you know, they, they just wrapped production on Hawkeye. They've got She-Hulk, Moon Knight, Ms. Marvel, uh, Armor Wars, Secret Invasion. Uh, they have all this stuff coming. 
And the one thing that is different about these shows that isn't common of any other series is that all of these shows have to tie into the continuity of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which not only includes these shows, but the movies. And so I wonder if they will be so quick to do follow-up seasons for these shows without figuring out how those seasons tie into the future of the Marvel Cinematic Universe at large, because they have to take that into consideration. And so now that Falcon is Captain America, and now that they have the story story going, will will they take their time coming back around to new seasons, much in the same way that like we have to wait a few years before we get another Thor movie or another Guardians of the Galaxy movie? Um, and so it makes me curious as to how quickly there'll be, there'll be turnaround for new seasons of these shows for those that call for it. Well, this is what we know. We do know that this year, 2021, currently there are scheduled to be six Marvel shows released on Disney plus. So that was WandaVision in January. Falcon and winter soldier was starting in March. Loki is going to start in June. Uh, what if do you consider that one of the, or is that kind of? I mean, because it's animated. It's a Marvel Studios show, so maybe that does count when they yeah. they do to their tally. And then, I, yeah. um, what else is supposed? Miss Marvel yeah. and Hawkeye are both going to be late 2021. They don't have dates yet, but then we already know that 2022 is going to have Moon Knight, She Hulk, Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. So we only have three of those. So if we assume that they're going to have three more, Secret Invasion, Armor Wars. Yeah, Ironheart. Oh, yeah, Ironheart. There's yeah, Waka- yeah. There's a Wakanda series. There's a, yeah, Echo series. What is the Echo series? I have that written down here. Oh, no. <laughs> was, is there, uh, did they announce a whole series or is Echo just in Hawkeye? A spinoff series starring, I can't pronounce the name, Alqua Cox as Maya Lopez slash Echo was early development for Disney Plus. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. So now, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. This happened, I think. I must have been away or something like that. But yeah, it's a spinoff series focusing on Echo. Yeah, so that was last month. I, I totally missed that one, too. So, so yeah. Uh, I mean, they have a lot. It could, it could start next year. I mean, it does seem like what Disney has been doing with The Mandalorian, they've been doing one season a year so far. So maybe they could fit this into 2022 at some point. They, they would have to film it. Yeah, I guess they would have to film it in the, the second half of this year if that was going to happen. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, interesting. Do you have any final thoughts on this this season? Um, I think overall it was solid. Um, there were things that I really liked about it. The Like I've like I mentioned, you know, a few times before, the, the stuff that I liked most in this series wasn't, you know, the typical Marvel stuff. It was the, the, the deeper character stuff and how they approached, um, you know, th- the themes of uh, race, you know, and America's history and how complicated it is and, you know, what Captain America stands for and those kinds of things. And um, as a Marvel series, I, it almost feels like that they kind of like did too much too soon because I feel like the action in the first half of the season was so much better than the second half. And maybe that's a product of production being affected by covid since i'm betting that's the case because they were they, they definitely were interrupted and they had to finish you know um after the pandemic and um you know even during it partially once they pick, picked uh shooting back up so I, I i'm guessing that that's probably the reason because that that first few episodes you know set up set the bar pretty high as far as you know action and so that's what i think that's part of what made the first half of this finale so disappointing is like 
it it didn't feel all that exciting. It's like, oh, cool, we have a fight sequence in you know a, a conference room and an abandoned construction site. Neat. Um, so you know, and, and again, they still did some cool things. But I'll, I'll say this, Brad. I give Marvel credit because I'm I'm one of those people that hates that like all the most of the Marvel movies are like these world stakes. Like huge, you know, there's a beam going sure, into the sure. sky, and and I love when like something's more like Ant Man, where it's like, you know, I, I guess Ant Man was very small stakes, but you know, it, like it, it's more contained to like a a situation that is more relatable. Yeah, and I don't I don't necessarily mind mind that either. You know, sometimes I think that that works, but like I guess you had the helicopter sequence, which was you know pretty decent in the in this episode, but I don't know, it just it just felt like it didn't quite stack up to the action that we saw early on. Um. I still think that uh, for for my money, I like WandaVision as a whole infinitely better, just because it felt like it felt less um, formulaic and less less generic. Um, so as much as I did appreciate, you know, how deep they dug into Sam and Bucky as characters uh, and the things that they, you know, put put in there for for the Marvel series, especially, I yeah, I think I still like WandaVision more. Um, I do think this this you know made the landing a lot better than WandaVision. I will say that I I do think WandaVision was overall a better show. Uh, it was more compelling. Uh, this is more straightforward. But I'm very interested to see what you know Captain America and the Winter Soldier could be because now that you know Bucky and Cap are on the same page and what what kind of evils they could be fighting, I. I think it could be a totally different show where this show was kind of like the origin story. Almost. It felt like it was building up to this, this end. Um, yeah. So uh, I'm excited to see. And also we have Loki coming up in what? Only a matter of months. June 11th, I believe is the June premiere, 11th. Yeah. And that looks crazy. It looks so much different than everything else. It, it looks almost like, um, what was that comedy with uh, defending your life or whatever? Like the guy died. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it doesn't look like that, but the concept of it—it it just seems so strange. I'm so so interested in it. So I'm I'm guessing we're gonna do a podcast for that. So look forward to that. And we, and, uh, Brad's not gonna join me, but I might do a podcast next week for the Bad Batch, which is the new Star Wars animated series that's coming to Disney Plus. I yeah. We might do one for the first episode. I think the finale, we might not do weekly for that. We'll see. We'll see how it turns out. But um, yes. So uh, you can find more of all of our work at slash from the com. You can find this podcast published every weekday on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send us your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at Peter at slash from the com. And please, if you are enjoying these episodes, head on over to our Apple's podcast page Write us a sentence. Tell us, you know, what you like about the show. You know, give us five stars. Tell your friends. Spread the word. And we'll see you on Monday.